Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And again, we're glad you're here. Alex, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about today's interview. Especially me as well. I am very excited. We got a special guest, Than Merrill from Fortune Builders. And I don't know anybody who doesn't know him. And he's, uh, he's, he's been hard to get. He's a busy guy. He's got a huge business, huge operation. He's still doing a ton of deals. He has a huge coaching program. And we're really honored to have him on the show. And I just want to jump right in. It Normally on these podcasts, Alex and I will shoot the breeze talk about some deals that we're working on, but I'd like to just jump right into talking. Just jump right in. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, he'll regret being on this show with our normal introductions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how, how are you doing, sir? Than Merrill? I'm doing, I'm doing great, Joe and Alex. I appreciate you having me on and, and also welcome everyone who's listening to us today. Look forward to uh, sharing some insights and, uh, and just chatting real estate. Love real estate. Love your yes, show. Sir. Are you are you still doing the show at all, Than, or is that done? No, we're uh, they're still running reruns. The TV yeah. is interesting because they like to rerun reruns for like fifteen years, but uh, yeah. uh, which is always a it's always a good thing. We filmed three seasons with the show, and uh, there's I think they're running reruns on a couple different stations now uh, of it, but uh, we're not filming any new shows right now. Looking back, would you do it again? Uh, I would. I think uh, a TV show is always, you know, good publicity. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like it, you know, it's not like motivated sellers started calling us because we have a TV show. But just from a, a notoriety standpoint, from you know, it put us in touch with private money lenders. You know, it opens some doors. It also creates a lot of distractions too. You know, so running running a business, I, I have found is. Often you have to say no. You have to know when to say no to certain opportunities because yeah. you, know, you might get involved in some projects, and all of a sudden something comes along where you have the opportunity to to make some money doing something different. But it, you might be picking up dimes and skipping over dollars. So it's it, you just it, it does create a lot of distractions. But overall, it's been a good thing. Those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Than started. Um, I think you probably started the whole house flipping trend on reality TV a long time ago. Has it been ten years? We started, hasn't been, uh, I started investing in, in 2003 personally. I think we started filming that show in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, so it was one of the very first shows. Obviously, it's exploded since then, and there's a lot of different shows. A&E Slipped This House, that, uh, that, that was the very first reality real estate flipping show. But, yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's obviously many different variations now and, and whole stations dedicated to different yeah. types of home improvement shows. So there's no shortage of right. different TV shows. Well, of course, I remember watching the shows when I was a kid, the, the home improvement shows. Um, like, like on this old house? Yeah, yeah, but it would take a whole stinking <laughs> month to finish oh, the terrible. rehab. Do you remember that? <laughs> it, well, it, I didn't even know what I was watching. My dad would watch it. I'm like, Dad, this is so boring. <laughs> 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 yeah I, it's funny you say that because i i i find i actually I, I love what we do but i do find shows boring to watch on tv maybe if you do it all day you don't want to come I home know. and watch it that's me personally but uh <laughs> well they're so i mean they're so streamlined now i mean back then you couldn't really streamline it i guess you know so you're 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 left like watching an hour fixing a bathroom or something like right. that. You know, <laughs> this but, is you know, or going to I don't know. Than I, Than I remember there was one episode where you went out to meet a seller and you guys were wearing these. Oh, I don't. I want to be sensitive and, uh, but these uh, these brown um, sport coats. Do you remember those? Um, you were wearing these brown sports coats that. You know, I'm not a fashionista or anything like that, but I was like, <laughs> what on earth were you guys, did you always wear those brown coats, those tan coats? I'm trying to think of the, the. I've had some bad outfits over the years, so 
<laughs> it doesn't surprise me that well, I would be wearing an ugly outfit. It was, you, it was you and your team. You all were wearing these brown was it a, sports Was coats. it a joke or was it like, we're going to look sharp? Uh, it, knowing us back then, it was probably, <laughs> we thought it was cool, but it really wasn't that cool. Well, if it, you know, back then it could have been, you know, people used to get those camel, the camel colored, <laughs> yeah, you know, jackets. Oh, really? Well, yeah, you know, back then. We were going for cool. the professor look. You know, we had, yes. the, we had the patches on the elbows. So <laughs> Yeah, the patches. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought this is because I remember thinking that's interesting. So should I dress nice when I go meet with sellers? You know, should I wear a sport coat? And I think you had you had your your logo CT Homes or something on the on the chest of the jacket as well. Um, I don't know. Were you with a broker at the time? Because I thought um, probably we're probably wearing one of our when we do go meet with sellers. We always have our golf shirts typically with our company name on it so all my acquisition guys who work in the office <laughs> oh, will have yeah, have yeah. our logo on there and so the sport co is probably just because it's cold in connecticut and uh yeah uh when we're filming who, who knows we might have been trying to look trendy that day i'm not sure well, but, anyway uh, <laughs> somebody somebody listening to this podcast will remember that episode and we'll put <laughs> the comments in there but um so than you've come a long way you were you were in connecticut a wholesale your former nfl player um you had some success in the NFL and weren't you injured or something and your career was kind of cut short? Yeah, I got injured and then I got cut. So I had a very unillustrious NFL career. I played for, for two years, but uh, enjoyed every second of it. Wish I could have made it last five to seven years, but that's not usually the way it works out in the NFL for most people. But uh, yeah, look, look, learned a lot from, from being in that industry and that business and, actually have applied a lot of the lessons I've learned hmm. uh, just from those two short years to business. And there's a lot of, you wouldn't think it, but there's a, a lot of direct applications to running a business versus how, a NF, I mean, an NFL team is obviously huge, big business. And, yeah. and a lot of the way they ran their organization, those principles I've, I've applied to my own real estate business over the years. Well, you didn't go right into real estate either after your NFL career. Didn't you start a um, a Mexican restaurant or something? Oh, I did. I started right. <laughs> I, I started a Mexican restaurant. That was my very first investment. I was supposed to be a silent partner. And then uh, when my NFL career got cut short, I jumped into the business. And so while I was uh, getting started investing in real estate, I was working literally like nine to seven at the restaurant every day. And so I'd spend a few hours on the weekends, educating myself, you know, buying the first few properties that I got involved in. So I was part time as an investor for about, for about uh, probably nine months, I was doing both. And then I just realized at the end of the day, um, how much more potential there was in the real estate business and the time in versus the return, you couldn't even compare the two. Yeah. And so I ended up transitioning and selling the restaurant and transitioning into real estate full time. Well, if you're going to start a restaurant, Mexican is the way to go. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's seriously, there's, you know, a guy around here that owns, um, and I wonder if they're even up in Connecticut yet or anything like that, but uh, it's called uh, Plaza Azteca. You ever heard of that? I haven't. I haven't. They're all up and down the East Coast. They do a really, really, really good job. Um, and they, I think, I'm pretty sure they started here. Then they moved into Richmond, and then they moved uh, further up. And they, I mean, their main thing that they've got is the live guacamole. Is what I call it. They come to the table and make the guacamole. And yeah, mm. here in Prague, you, you, surprise, surprise, you can't really find very many Mexican restaurants. <laughs> So you're making my mouth water. I love some good salsa. And I love being in San Diego. Then you're you've been there for a while. I was born and raised I was born in LA but raised in San Diego. So you're in my old stomping grounds. Um what made you decide to go to San Diego from Connecticut? A couple reasons. One, I grew up in California. I actually grew up in Fresno, California, which is not exactly San Diego. It's about seven hours north. But uh after doing business out in Connecticut for I guess we were out there for five years in the real estate business and just a few too many cold winters. And we realized the great thing about real estate is the model works anywhere. The price points might be a little different. Your exit strategies may change 
depending on the price points of homes, you know, whether you have to do a lot of volume in a market to make a certain amount of income versus fewer transactions and higher price markets. It, the business model that we execute out here in California, it's literally 85% the same compared to what we did in Connecticut. There are some small differences, but it, it gives you the ability, once you, know, once you have that education, once you understand the business, once you understand how to uh, buy and sell, renovate properties, buy and hold, and you know, properly manage your rentals, you can do it from anywhere. And that's the great thing about real estate. Um, so we, we decided the market had just, you know, crashed pretty hard in San Diego. We figured, figured it was a good time to go out there and start buying at very deep discounts. And it's also obviously a great place to live. So that was probably the primary number one reason we moved out to San Diego was because, uh, it's just beautiful living. But then number two was a good time as well. And it, and both those things proved to be, uh, proved to be good decisions. And did you go, what, what year did you go to San Diego? It would have been uh, 2009, was uh, 2008, 2009, let me think, I'm doing the math. Yeah, 2009 is when, and so we made a transition, because um, at the time in Connecticut, our real estate office was about eight people, mm-hmm. and so initially it was just me for about three months, then we moved another team member, and we were really conducting business in both markets very heavily, but we looked at the return versus the time in, and we were just seeing better returns in, in our San Diego deal. So slowly over the course of about a year and a half, we transitioned the majority of our intellectual capital or the people working in the business out here to San Diego, and, and uh, we still hold a lot of rentals in Connecticut. We still do occasional transactions in Connecticut, but the majority of our business is in San Diego County now because we've moved everybody out here. Well, you got there at the right time, didn't you? Kind of at the yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, as as far as finding good opportunities, there's you know, it's been very steady the last five six years that we've been here. Uh, it's been very very steady, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's and it's grown. The markets the markets come back, uh, but. I mean, when you're buying distressed assets, there's always opportunities. When the market's going up, there's opportunities. When the market's going down, there's opportunities. You just have to change your, your strategy or change your, your model a little bit. Uh, make sure, you know, if the market's falling, you know, there's certain price points of properties that, that are going to fall faster that you want to, you know, reduce your inventory in. So you can make shifts no matter what the market's doing. But uh, out here, it's been really good. We One thing... A couple of things that I've recognized is, although we're doing more volume now than we did in Connecticut, initially when we moved out here those first couple of years, we were doing less volume than we were doing in Connecticut, but the, the profit per deal was much higher. So I, I literally equated for every one transaction we do out here, we'd have to do two back in Connecticut just oh, based on the price yeah. points. And that was nice. Uh, we also didn't have to deal with some of the cold weather elements of winterizing houses. A lot of the housing stock in Connecticut that we were dealing with was built, you know, anywhere between 1900 and 1930. Out here, a lot of it's in the 1950s to 1980s. And so, um, although we were having to put in, you know, you're, you're doing a lot more higher-end materials out here based on the price points, higher-end finishes. The construction is actually a lot easier because it's literally year-round. You don't in San Diego, there's houses that don't have heating systems, that don't have cooling systems. I know it's hard to believe in any other market wow. around the country, but yeah. I remember I was walking through a first couple of properties out here, like, where's where's the heating system? I'm like, oh, this price point of house, there's a lot of houses that don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, bad, this is a great place to live. <laughs> so... That's hilarious. You, know, you, you don't you don't see that in every. I mean, believe me, most places out here have heating and, and air, but there are lower price point homes where they don't. Just you know, because it's it never gets hotter than eighty two, and it's never colder than than sixty most of the time out here. So it's pretty temperate climate. So are you doing ahead, more uh, rehab deals out there in San Diego? Would you say, or um, or uh, or are you uh, doing more wholesale, or what would be your blend of deals you're doing right now? Uh, we've, we've always done more rehabs than wholesales. It's always been more profitable for us. Um, I, and it's always something that, uh, wholesaling has been big for us over the years, especially the first two years. 
I would say right now, one out of 10, we wholesale, uh, two will keep and the rest will rehab. So if you were to look at a, a you know, that's kind of our, our mixture of what we'll do. If we're, if we're looking at 10 transactions in the month, then we'll, you know, end up keeping one or two, uh, wholesaling one and then rehabbing the rest. And it's just, they're just more profitable. Our business model has really prospered from rehabbing properties and wholesaling. i I believe so strongly in it. I mean, it's such a great business uh, that you can run. It's great, especially when you're starting and you need to build some capital. Um, however, I, I think, you know, if, if uh, this is just my opinion, you know, everyone conducts their business differently. The profitability, if you learn the rehabbing side of it and you have systems in place and you do it and you have a good team, you have good project managers, good contractors, but it, it's a lot more profitable long-term. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of what we've done, uh, over the years. And, uh, initially I'd say half of what we were doing was wholesale for the first couple of years. Cause we just wanted to build up more capital so that we could buy and hold. And so that we could, uh, uh, do more, uh, rehab deals and, and ex- expand the number of transactions. But now that's kind of what it looks like right now. Stan, you guys are still doing a ton of deals. What, are you still doing your own marketing? Do you still have your own acquisition team? Or are people bringing you deals because you're a big buyer there? What, where do you get your deals from? Uh, so our team looks like, you know, we have four acquisition team members who all they do is acquisitions. I'll kind of give you an idea of what, what it looks like in our office. We have three project managers who manage all of our rehabs. We have an office manager, a marketing manager. Uh, we have a real estate brokerage that, that is right next to um, our office with, with 20 plus agents, but we have one sales wow. manager for our, for our inventory. And so our, um, our acquisition is about 50% the MLS and then 50% everything from direct mail to online leads, to banners, to Facebook ads, uh, to Craigslist and referrals. Um, so you I, said I think Facebook you know, ads. Yeah, for, we, for we'll acquiring anything, sellers. Yeah, for any, we'll run any campaign, any PPC campaign um, that we can to generate a motivated seller lead. So we'll target wow. things from, you know, people typing into Google "sell house fast." You know, that's a that's a good type of lead that we'll want to buy. And there's a Absolutely. lot of people that wholesale. You know, there's a lot of people that wholesale those leads, and so that's literally their business is selling leads to to real estate investors and. And, um, so we've, uh, direct mail probably, you know, if, what, what, what have we bought the most properties off the MLS and I attribute to the MLS. A lot of people, um, if you look at very, very successful businesses, most people, a percentage of what they buy, I think is, is going to be right off the MLS because the law of numbers, I mean, 80% of properties in most markets hit the MLS at some point. And although, a lot of it is retail and a lot of it is crap um, from an investor standpoint. I, I, not crap, crappy houses. I'm just saying from it's not a good investment deal, but there's good, there's always good opportunities hitting the MLS every day. So we have two guys that literally that's all they do all day long is they're building relationships with our realtor contacts or reaching out the moment it hits the MLS. They have a 30, 60, 90 day follow up process. And we get a lot of deals consistently. We've done that for years. And so with that level of properties in any market, the MLS, people get jaded. I feel like a lot of investors, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated about it. A lot of people say, oh, there's not good inventory. There's not enough inventory. There's no there's deals good. on the MLS. Yeah. yeah. Or there's no deals on the MLS. There's absolutely deals on the MLS. There's short sales getting listed every day by realtors. There's development properties. There's properties that you could buy. Um, significantly below there's properties that are, are some investors avoid like fire damage to, we buy a lot of properties with foundational issues. So the deals are there. It's absolutely competitive. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we make on average anywhere from 15 to 20 offers, depending on the time of the year to get one deal. So we'll have to make 15 to 20, we'll have to hear 14 to 19 no's. Hmm on the MLS to well, get one bad. I mean, cause some people so, are like, I have to make a hundred offers to get one deal. <laughs> and, and most of the time that's uh, for a couple of reasons. One is they're, they're, they're probably not 
to, they're not handling the call the right way with the agent. They're not building enough value for, you know, some agents have a little bit of a skewed viewpoint of investors. And if you're not on the phone with the agent building the value of doing business with your company long-term, then the agent's is just going to see you as a one-off transaction. Right. Uh, a lot of new investors, you know, approach an agent the wrong way. I mean, agents for us have been very, very valuable resources. I mean, we have no less than nine or ten consistent agents in this area that just feed us, that are calling us literally every other week or every month um, with opportunities. Then there's agents who call us, you know, twice a year because we dealt with them in the past and they thought of us. So we're, we think of agents like assets. You want to build relationships with agents. You know, there's probably a hundred agents who know who we are. There's probably, you know, so there's varying degrees of agents that we work with. And, and so we just try to build those relationships, foster those relationships. Um, if we make a low offer and they're turned off, we try to re we try to basically turn their thinking around and get them to kind of see it from our viewpoint, and we're pretty successful at that. So we don't have a lot of agents who, who I wouldn't say don't, because there are you know there's a lot of investors who turn agents off very very quickly when they enter a market, and we try not to do that. We try to just get them to understand the investor's viewpoint and understand even if our offer is low and they have a retail offer that's much higher, um, hey that we may not be a good fit for that property, but in the future here's the types of transactions we are a good fit for. So if they have a listing they can't sell or they got a bank-owned property and the bank's giving them pressure or they got a short selling and they're under a timeline. So we just try to distinguish ourselves um, as professional operators. And, and uh, so a lot of our uh, properties do come through the MLS. And so that's probably been our greatest volume our most profitable are our uh, pre foreclosures that we negotiate through that we find via direct mail and other sources, and then uh, probate properties that we find through direct mail and then other lead gen sources that we have. Yeah. A lot of times we have less competition when we're from our direct marketing efforts. So we have two people in our office that just handle direct marketing, and and we do. I don't want to say we do anything super unique. Uh, you know, we do pre-foreclosure direct mail. We do probate direct mail. We do absentee owner direct mail. All things you've probably talked about on this podcast before. We just do it consistently. We know our numbers. Uh, we know, and we convert really well when we're on the phone. That's that's yeah. a good thing. And having a brokerage definitely helps too because we take a lot of the leads that we make an offer on and uh, that we can't necessarily make work from an investment standpoint, yet we can still monetize it by doing a traditional listing. And that helps, you know, fuel our marketing budget. And uh, so that's, was, that's kind of I was gonna that's ask a long-winded answer, that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I was going to ask you about the brokerage. Uh, if you were to take a guess, what percent of your revenue, your gross revenue comes from your brokerage and listings? Um percent of leads that come in is probably somewhere between 10 and 15% are, are, can be directly attributed to an agent in, in our office or by having a presence of a brokerage. So it's not a lot from the lead gen standpoint. We save a tremendous amount of money selling our own inventory, especially in California at the price points we sell at. Yeah. You know, a lot of the homes we're selling are anywhere between 500 and a million dollars you know, we sell some homes over over a million dollars consistently every month as well, and so if you if you think about those commissions, that's a lot of commissionable that investors give up if you don't if you're not licensed or mm. if you don't have your own brokerage. So from that standpoint, it's good. It's also been good because our, our a lot of not all of our agents, but there's a lot of agents in our office who who live partially off of our lead gen from our real estate investment business. And uh, that's been a, that's been a good thing too. So it's helped us grow that, you know, our real estate brokerage isn't insanely profitable. You know, our investment office is much more profitable. It's tighter margins on a brokerage, but uh, it's been good from a trust credibility. Uh, it's, it's actually a lot easier to build relationships with other agents when you are an agent or you have a brokerage, one of the two. So I think it's a huge advantage to be an agent. Yeah, I agree. I think um, 
Well, I, I want to ask you some questions, Than, about your coaching business because you've sure. got a very successful wholesaling business. You're rehabbing a lot of houses. You've got a big staff that's managing your real estate business. Now you even – I'm going to guess you you have an even bigger company on the education side. I've seen your products. I've seen your books, Than, and I've got to tell you that it's probably some of the best stuff I've ever seen, and I've looked at a lot of courses, and I'm not just blowing smoke or saying that because you're on the show. Uh, your your the team the the team the material that your team has put together uh, is fantastic, second to none. And and to see every week you've got two or three case studies that you guys publish of students that have done deals, and you interview the student and you talk to them about the deal, and they teach things about what they learned, and and uh, it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I- I'm sorry. Go I ahead. appreciate. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely appreciate that. We, we definitely work hard on our, on our coaching side. And we've also, we also do a lot of lending too. We've, uh, wow. we've developed, uh, one of our companies is Grand Coast Capital. And, uh, so yeah, it's been great. It's, I, I, I love working with other investors around the country, helping them either grow and scale their existing real estate business or, if they're brand new, you know, helping them launch their business and get their uh, investing business uh, going. So it's definitely something, as you know, that's very rewarding when you're helping other people build a business that, you know, was just a vision in their mind, you know, six months ago. So it's it's definitely something that uh, is awesome to, to do. I want to ask you what it's like to run a huge coaching business like that, because we all know the bad apples that are out there. And, you know, they get ripped apart online. Um, the BBB just gives them horrible ratings. Um, and you just see kind of who they are, and, and you're just like, oh, it kind of gives you a sick feeling in your stomach. I'm, I'm not trying to bash anybody. But when you go to the Better Business Bureau website and you look up Fortune Builders, can you believe your reviews, the rating that they've given you? <laughs> they give you an A+. plus. And you go look at all the other big education companies out there, and I mean, I haven't seen anything better than an F with those guys. <laughs> so how do you do it? You know, it's just treating your customers the right way. You know, in any business, you're going to have issues or problems. It doesn't matter if you're buying one house or you're buying 100 houses. You're going to have things that you have you have to deal with. And it's really how you deal with those issues. And it's, you know, if, if anybody's ever had an issue with, with our company, we've always taken care of it. We always make sure that we're on the phone doing the right thing. You know, one of the things that's very big to me is, um, you know, I read a book years ago about the importance of having core values in your company and running your company that way. And, and, uh, that's something that I think is very strong in our company, you know, our core values and how we treat people. And, in in real estate education, you know, it, it's really interesting because, you know, I've studied the the industry. I've studied, um, and, and what's interesting about real estate education and real estate in general. I mean, we all know because we work with, you know, the all three of us work with students. We work with people who are great people who are doing great things. And the reality is, in real estate, there nobody can guarantee anybody's success. You know, when somebody comes into our coaching program, one of the first things we'll tell them is, hey, we can't guarantee that you're going to be successful as an investor. In fact, we have students that aren't successful. We have students that are super successful. We have everything along every part of that spectrum when it comes to that. What I do know is we provide, you know, a, a great education. We give them a lot of the systems and tools that we utilize and so we help them cut their learning curve. But even though we help someone cut their learning curve, that doesn't mean every day they're going to get up there and go out there and, and be motivated to, to follow what you say. And so we try to just be transparent with it. And if there's ever an issue or someone's fallen behind in that instance, we're going we're gonna to continue to work with them. We're going to continue to provide that level of service. And so I think that's, you know, the reflective of our BBB, you know, A-plus a+ rating that we have and, and, uh, you know, the very few complaints, you know, we've gotten complaints. There's no doubt about it. Every, I think every, any educator out there will have a couple issues and a lot of things will, will, uh, we'll just deal with them. And that's the, the way we've always taken in all our, you know, not every house you sell is the, the buyer going to be a hundred, you know, some people want a handrail adjusted. Some people want that crack in the sidewalk and they're just 
adamant that oh, that crack yeah. on the sidewalk is 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 going to develop and half the house is going to sink in the ground. Well, no, it's just a crack in the sidewalk. Let's get it addressed and yeah. and let, and I'll get my contractor out there and we'll make sure it gets done, right? So, I think it's just that that's the approach that that uh is the right approach for business. Well, fan, you have a huge business and and I, I see online here this Better Business Bureau says you have over 300 employees. Is that right? Yeah. So if you combine all our, you know, we have five different brokerage offices. We have our real estate investment office, our lending office. Uh, we have our our uh, real estate educational office. We have all of our coaches uh, involved. <laughs> wow. Myself, I'm I'm one of the coaches. So yeah, it's a lot of people when you look at all those different. Uh, um, you know, we've had hundreds of thousands of people over the years uh, go through some of our free events to, you know, some of our paid workshops that we do. Um, so we've, we've seen a lot of customers and we've helped a lot of people along the way. We've had a lot of people. We've also, uh, you know, had a lot of really good team members over the years as well. Hmm. I know some guys who work for you. I won't mention their names, but they've all said really, really nice things about working for your company and, um, it's something that I'm, I'm sure you're very proud of. Yeah, I, I I really do. I think our student community and our and our team, you know, people that work with us and for us, uh, they're all good people, and and we try to attract people that have the same type of values and and want to work hard and want to give to the students at the same time, improve their own financial education at, at the same time. You know, we have a lot of employees, a lot of employees who own, you know, it, even administrative employees who own rental properties, who've done a flip or two. Um, so from, from some of the, you know, starting jobs, I would say, to some of the higher level positions, you know, it, we try to just inspire exactly, you know, do exactly what we teach do at every level. Um, of course, our coaches, myself, are all active investors, but even down to, to people answering phones and customer service. You know, I think that's important to, to make sure that everybody's understanding what we're teaching and what we're doing. Dan, I want to ask you a few more questions. And Alex, I hope I'm not hogging the all of our time with Dan. No, that's all right. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> I'm usually the big mouth who asks all the questions. Um, and but Alex always asks the smart, insightful questions. So, <laughs> Than you, um, you you got a huge business. I mean, do you ever step back and you look at like, holy cow, this business is big? I just wish it was simpler sometimes. And and maybe you don't have to answer that <laughs> completely honest because I don't know. Maybe I mean that is he's got a big company. <laughs> you but like I'm looking at that. I'm here in Prague and I'm thinking I kind of like small, simple businesses. Um, I talked to a, there's a guru and a coach who does a lot of deals in the Phoenix area. And I was talking to him, um, uh, not our mutual friend, uh, Sean Terry. I should probably say that cause I know a lot of people are going to think it's him. It's not him. Um, where we were talking and, and I was telling him what I do in my business and my, my gross income is probably 25% of his 15% of his. <laughs> and you know, I have, probably three employees. He has like 23. And we were talking about our businesses and I've always looked up to this guy. He's real successful, got a ton of six, you know, he's just making a lot of money. And he was telling, I was telling him about my business. I was a little embarrassed about it. And he said, I would trade you businesses in a heartbeat. And I was kind of floored by that because this guy is so successful. And, and Than, I'm thinking, you know, with you and your business, you've, does it seem sometimes it's just so big. You're like wondering, wow, uh, I'm really grateful about this, or this really stresses me out. Uh, how do you handle that? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, there's there's definitely days when you when you look back and say, "Hey, would it be better to have a smaller business?" You know, and there, there's days that I long for the simplicity of when we just had a few people in the office. Um, there's also days that, that it's very exciting and, and very fun and and very rewarding because we, we do have an impact on a lot of people. You know, I think, I think it really comes down to the stage in life you're at. I, I, I don't foresee um, always running a business this large right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, not, that's not always going to be the goal. I think it'll, it'll change over time, and I think it'll go back, you know, as you go through different stages in life. I just had a, a son 
Congratulations. And we'll, we'll, thank you. Thank yeah. you. And we'll, well, you know, so I have a little, and we'll probably have another, we'll, we'll probably have another, uh, child you know i shouldn't say i just had a son i, I had a son two years ago so i have a young guy <laughs> in, in the house i just realized it sounded like i just had like he was just born yesterday that's not the case He's well two, i remember but, i remember hearing about that and so i was gonna yeah. ask is this number two yeah 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 so i i realized the way i said it sounds like i was born yesterday but uh so i i think at some point we'll we'll scale back um a little bit and and from that standpoint and uh and do that. And it just, it's fun. It's fun to, to help a, a lot of people, um, be successful, yeah. you know, investing, uh, there, you know, in, in real estate, it's tough. There's no guarantees that, you know, you could lose just as much money as, as, uh, you could make. And there's a tremendous amount of risk in, in real estate, but it also just, it has a tremendous impact on people's lives when you can push them to be more than they ever expected and push mm-hmm. them to meet their financial goals from that and it's very rewarding to see it when they do and there's some people that don't that they don't realize this business is not for me you know or they get involved and it's they realize hey this is not what I want to do but for those that end up building successful business extremely rewarding so it's it's fun to see and fun to be a part of yeah excellent and you know it was you than who introduced me when I was listening to you somewhere i forget where uh introduced me to the emith the book oh and- yeah Okay. Of course, you're you're you've been a huge fan of that book, and you talk about it all the time, didn't you? Didn't uh, the author? And I'm sorry, I forget his name. Uh, Michael Gerber. Yes. Didn't he approach you about writing the E Myth for real estate investors? Did you ever? Actually, do that? yeah. the The book is uh, coming out here in a few weeks. Actually, wow. as we speak. Yes. And uh, probably by the time people are are listening to the to the podcast, it'll it'll be available. So it's the E Myth. For real estate investors, excellent, and uh, it's co-authored by myself and and Michael Gerber oh, I'm and my business partner. I can't leave I can't leave him out. My business partner Paul as well. I am really really looking forward to that book. That'll be awesome. Very yeah, good. it's a it's it's a good book. It's uh it's interesting because the book's not written about the mechanics. You know, there's plenty of books out there about the mechanics of real estate. Um it's it's written more about the vision of how to build a system-based company mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. and uh so if you're look you know i always tell people if you're looking to learn you know the x's and o's of how to put a single deal together that's not the book for you it's it's the book is more about developing a vision give you an idea of what systems look like how to grow and scale but i think that's very important when you're starting out to have a vision of where you want to go what you want your business to look like and uh, it's it's something that uh, yeah will be available in a couple weeks. Excellent, excellent. I heard about this uh, over a year ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since, wondering when this was coming out. I I got your book, The Wholesaling Bible, and uh, actually read that. I could not believe you got that much information in that thin of a book. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it's a really good book, kind of a real good summary level of everything. And I was wondering if. If the E Myth for real estate investors was ever coming out, and I'm so glad to hear it is. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, coming out very soon. What else are you working on right now, Than? Any current projects? What's on the horizon? You know, we've we've been um, growing the lending side of our business uh, quite a bit as of recently. I've realized that that's a a great business, something that's that's very exciting. You know, when I started out buying and selling real estate, first I started no, well, not first, I should say, still borrowing private money, but uh, that was my one of my primary resources, was hard money from hard money lenders and then private money. Um, and that's how we funded the majority of our transactions over the years. Yeah. And then we started lending as well, and uh, that's been something that's been, so it's a very unique, very exciting business. There, there's obviously a lot of list, a lot of risk when you uh, yeah. when you lend, but it's also something that uh, the return is is very nice as well. So we've we've been doing that for a number of years, and that's a, one side of our business. We've grown quite a bit. Interesting. And are you lending to just Fortune Builder students, or are you lending all over the country to anybody that's interested, or if they got a good deal? How does that work for you? Uh, we do we do loan to you know not just fortune builder students although naturally a lot of uh, students do end up utilizing us um, for sources of funding and I always tell people hey if you have 
cheaper money, private money, or bank lines of credit, use it. Um, but if you need extra capital for expanding your business, for you know, you get involved in two or three or four transactions, um, and you need extra sources, then we're then we're a good resource for that. Um, so yeah, Grand Coast Capital is is the website if you want to check it out. GrandCoastCapital.com. Grand um, G R G R A N D Coast. Yep, Grand Coast Capital. And that's that's our website cool. there that that people could check out, and that's been a uh, that's been good. And I I think natural. I mean, it's it's more sophisticated for you know. I wouldn't start out doing that if you're brand new to investing, getting involved in the lending side. Yeah. Um, because there is more risk for lenders. You know, they they're the ones taking the majority of the risk a lot of times on on transactions. So, but over time for real estate investors, you know, if you're well, we realized when we were borrowing hard money years ago, we looked at the number of hours that went into the transaction. We said, okay, well, we spent this much time and we made this profit. Let's calculate how much it will, you know, what we made per hour. And then we looked at it from the lender point of view. Huh. And we realized that the lenders <laughs> the were lenders actually just, making wow. more than us, even though our profit was greater. But if you look at it from a per hour standpoint, I, I, I was very fascinated. So it always fascinated me, and I studied it over the years, and it's definitely something that you know, I would never encourage anybody, if you don't have real estate experience per se, to just go full-fledged into lending because well, uh, well, you, you need that knowledge. Licenses and stuff like that too, don't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to it. It's, I, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying that yeah. side of the business right now considering you know it's a shorter podcast, but uh, – I would definitely, it's definitely something that for more sophisticated investors who are listening to this, who have built up some capital, um, it's definitely something to consider and get more knowledge about. And Than, if you don't mind asking, or me asking this, are you, um, did you have to get licensed with the SEC because you were pooling investors' funds? Um, and is it only like accredited investors that you're working with? Or is this yeah, all so your we, own capital? We, no, we started a fund. So yeah. initially, you know, initially, uh, you, you want to make sure I, this is a bigger scale that I'm talking about. You I mean, if you're a private lender, obviously the, the best advice to give anyone right now is always check with your state banking regulations, you know, no matter, because every state, so, so no matter what we say right here, that's the best advice we could give to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing, if you're doing a one, you know, a one, private loan in a, in a particular state. That's very different than what we're doing with our fund. So people who invest into the fund have to be accredited investors. Uh-huh. Which right? means a million net, right? Exactly. Or a million. So, yeah. No, it, exactly. So you have to, you have to make $250,000 the past two years as an individual or have a million dollar net worth uh, minus your personal residence. So you have to be accredited. Um, if, to to invest as a lender to the fund, but as a borrower, obviously you you just have to be a real estate investor with a good deal, uh, with a little bit of experience, and you know we'll we'll take a consideration and, and take a look at the deal. So it's definitely, yeah, it, it's it's probably not a conversation for somebody who's never lent money or who's brand new to you know focus on buying a rental or focus on your first wholesale or your first rehab. But it's something to pay attention to over the years as as your net worth grows and as you expand. Yeah, excellent. And the I was thinking about the dollar per hour thing and comparing rehabbing to wholesaling. Similar. Uh, well, I'm wondering, is it really? Like, I think the the way I'm doing it right now, I bet you anything I'm making more money per hour than I would if I was rehabbing homes. You definitely are. I, I, would, I, I shouldn't say you definitely are because I don't know your business, but uh, – there's no doubt that the number of hours that goes into rehabs, you're making less per hour. That That's a very, very good point from that standpoint. It really is based on, you know, why do we rehab? Because the dollars per hour that we make is still really good. Sure, sure. And, you know, we're set up to do it. It's It's definitely something where... I think overall we would net less dollars as a company if we just wholesaled. So it really comes down to what you're trying to achieve financially. I mean, dollars per hour, you're probably making more on most wholesale deals than you are on most rehabs. Uh, but you're probably making more dollars total 
uh, on your rehab transactions versus yeah. uh, wholesale transactions. And obviously, you're taking more risk when you're doing rehabs. Or, you know, you can control yeah. a lot of the risk as a wholesaler. Um, and you know, from a from a rehabbing standpoint, there's definitely more risk because you, you're speculating. You're speculating whether you're going to sell the property for what you think it is. The construction is going to be what it is. The timeline is going to be what it is. I mean, you can lose money just as easily as you make money, and and so you have to you have to make sure that you you're comfortable with that level of risk. And uh, if you are, and you know how to do it, and you've been educated, and you've spent the time, and you've analyzed everything correctly, then you know that's the the, the business model you'll follow. And when it comes down to breaking the business down into systems, this is exactly what people need. I'm big on education. I think education is super important. I've said this over and over again. I thank God for gurus. Gurus get bashed all the time. But if it wasn't for gurus who are out there sticking their neck on the line and, and putting a big target on their back, willing to risk so many things by teaching this stuff and educating people and selling high-priced coaching, then there wouldn't be opportunities for us smaller guys to get in the business and start making money in this business. Cause you can make a ton of money in real estate. And I think that's education is so important. And I just want to give a plug out for you, Than, and, and say, thank you so much for what you've done to the industry and the education that you've put out there. Uh, you have a lot of really good free content at fortunebuilders.com that people can go to. I've seen the videos and the blog posts that you guys do. Uh, you can, you guys are quite big on, uh, on YouTube. If you, if people want to go and get some educational videos, they can go to YouTube. They can go to fortunebuilders.com. Is that right? Or are there any other websites, places you would want to send people? Yeah, you, uh, by all means, if you want to, uh, check out our main website, fortunebuilders.com. It's a great place to go. If, if people are interested in finding out some more information about our coaching, you can go to fortunebuildersmastery.com. So those are, those are our, uh, our places to find us. Yeah. Well, excellent. Very good. Thank you so much, Dan, for, for being on yeah, the show. Yeah, it's been a great call. Awesome to, uh, yeah, to, to listen to somebody who's gone from, you know, like you said, the small to very big at this point. You know, you've, you, your, your business has grown in so many different aspects. And that's a challenge to me because, um, you know, I kind of, you know, along the lines of what Joe is, is kind of like you almost feel like if I start taking on employees and I start feeling responsible, having to feel responsible for those people. <laughs> and I'm sure you feel that with 300 people. <laughs> well, you know, what's crazy. I, I, I should, I wanted to announce this because I'm still working out the details, but, but I was just talking to a guy in England. Uh, his name is Tom Wade. Remember we interviewed him before? Yes. Alex. Um, he started – the reason why I love this business is he starts listening to podcasts. He was listening to ours and a few others, Sean Terry's, learning about wholesaling. And so he actually starts wholesaling deals in the United States from England virtually. Yeah. And he starts flipping deals in the United States and thinking, man, this is so easy. And, and then he starts wholesaling deals virtually in England himself while he's living there and finds that it's even easier to flip deals in England. And then he starts traveling around Europe and he starts traveling around Asia and the United States, still flipping five to 10 deals a month in England. And what's fascinating is this business allows you, when you've got the right systems in place, you can start wholesaling properties virtually from anywhere in the world with just a computer and the internet. And you don't need a huge company. You don't need a bunch of employees to do that. We were talking the other day and we're actually going to be doing, uh, we, might, we might be starting a new podcast a second podcast called Remote Property Flipping. People in Europe don't understand virtual wholesaling. It's, to them, it sounds maybe like more virtual reality. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so Remote Property Flipping kind of connects to people here more. And so we're talking about uh, doing a new podcast called Remote Property Flipping, specifically geared towards people in Europe and the UK who want to learn how to wholesale properties remotely. And we're going to start doing workshops. We're talking about doing some live events um, high-end events in Spain on the coast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be cool. I, uh, so I'm excited wow. about this market. I'm excited about actually being here in Europe and starting to teach people here this wonderful world of, of wholesaling and rehabbing. And a lot of you guys that are listening to this are listening to it 
from Europe, from Argentina. We had somebody from Argentina email me the other day uh, about listening to this podcast. And so I just want to say hello and welcome to everybody out there. And um, stay tuned because we got some exciting things coming up. And uh, again, okay, fortunebuilders.com. Uh, fortunebuildersmastery.com. Is that the website, Than, for the coaching that you do? Uh, that's, ex- that's exactly right. If people want more information, they can go there. Awesome. Okay. Well, Than, listen, if you want to come out to Prague, I'd be glad to host <laughs> you, show you around town. It's a very kid-friendly place, so you've got to bring your wife and, and son. And um, Kid-friendly, huh? Yeah, I'll show you all the playgrounds. That's right. <laughs> we go. I go to at least one or two playgrounds a day with my kids. <laughs> I got to get them out of the house. And yeah, help them some, run off some energy, burn off some energy until my until my wife gets here. There's some really cool uh, co-working places here as well. Places where I'm meeting a lot of really cool entrepreneurs that have very successful internet businesses uh, here in Prague that uh, work out of these co-working office spaces. It's really it's pretty fascinating to meet them that's awesome cool all right this is that's a wrap i think thank you thank you uh joe and alex appreciate it thanks dan thanks dan we'll talk to you later take care sounds good